Welcome to the Soppy Blues, your source for all things Everton, and welcome to another podcast, the end of season podcast. Lots to get through tonight and to get through it all with me. I've got Teddy McAllister and Thomas Robertson. We're going to be starting off as usual with the extra time segment, unfortunately, in this case. We're going to be looking back on the whimper with which we ended our season as we lost to relegate at Bournemouth, so a battle of laps indeed. Then we're reflecting on the news, which probably it was even harder yesterday, the news that club stalwart Leighton Baines is retiring from football. And then with the season now over, uh, again, it's back to where we left off with the player review segments returning on tonight's show. And all that will be followed by our quiz to finish. As you know, the segments are separate, so I'll introduce them and whatnot. We'll get straight into it. We're going to start with the final extra time show of the 2019-20 season. And sadly, as we've got a new studio on last season, it's a review of an Everton defeat. Everton bow out on another low note with a defeat at home to a team who got relegated regardless of the win that they achieved against us to leave us going into the admittedly short six-week summer break in a very negative mindset, it has to be said. We're all feeling very down on our look after what we witnessed yesterday, and that's sadly going to boil over until we hopefully sign somebody. I'm joined by Thomas and Terry to go over that malaise for one last painful time. Lads, let's be honest, it was a very fitting end to a terrible season, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it pretty much just summed up our, our performance for the whole year, which, to be fair, I was expecting. I mean, if they had to come and win, if there was a team they wanted to do it against, it, it was going to be us, let's be honest. If there, was, if there was a team they wanted, who might not be up for the game, even slightly, it was going to be us uh, all day long, really. Why do we do this? I know it's easy to say that they have more to play for, but why do we always provide the perfect sideshow for the team looking to achieve something? I know they didn't achieve staying up in the end, but why are we always so charitable in these situations it's gone on for years why is it the characters in the squad there's not enough fighters like it we anyone we've we've dropped i saw i read the stat earlier on we've dropped 19 points this season or i can now say last season um thank god we can say that yeah <laughs> dropped 19 points to teams in the bottom five that shows that it's, is embarrassing bottom it's six i think even, i think it was but even still well, whichever, it just speaks, it doesn't speak to the quality of football, it speaks to the strength of character. We we roll over and show our stomachs to any team who've got a little bit of, like, fight in them, a little bit of nastiness, a little bit of, little bit of, um... Nouse, to be honest. Commitment, is it what I was going to say? Like, that, yeah. Andre Gomez is a better footballer than, than anyone except maybe Jack Grealish in that bottom five, six teams, but... They've got players who are absolute dogs who will fight for everything. And I'm not going to like take out Gomez because there's low everyone in that squad. But, for the most but part. I think I think it's very much possible like you could dig out Gomez individually because his com- levels of commitment have just been not non-existent there. Well, well, I hold him up. 
I hold him up because since the return from the lockdown, I mean, I really like Gomez. Just you know, it doesn't seem like that because I've been thinking about the last few weeks. But he's a fantastic player who can run the game when he's at it. But when he's not at it, oh, he, he's, he's a liability, he, isn't he? Yeah, and. That just sums up the problem with Everton's squad. It goes across the whole squad. There's only one or two players who've got that feisty sort of passion and commitment in them that they need to go that extra step. There's like it's on the wall in Finch Farm, isn't it? Like talent will, uh, hard work will be talent if talent does not work hard. And you think it's that sink in eventually with some of them because that that's exactly what our problem is, isn't it? Yeah, I just think we've got a lack of leaders and a lack of characters in the team, and obviously. The ones we have got, is it any coincidence that the town turning form since the lockdown coincides with her Holgate's injury? Holgate's one of the few players who's committed, who gets in the face of the opposition players and, and fights. Now, he can't do it all by himself, but without him... He led by example, though, at times, with that back in the back, particularly yeah. before the lockdown as well. Yeah, and I'm not even saying we've missed him as a defender, we've missed him as a character, and we need yeah. more of that. And that's that's been the problem, and it was the problem against Bournemouth that they had something to fight for, and we didn't. So we just went to oh, right then, you know, like it just lacking that extra yards of of effort that they were willing to give. That I think I read another stat that seventeen percent of their points came against Everton last this last season. That, that's awful. That's we six, that team. Six, yeah, well, they they got thirty four points, and we gave them six of them. So it is. Yeah, we'll be around that. I mean, a team who have been relegated and have been awful all season did the double over us. And it's not because they've got better footballers than us. It's because they've got more committed players than us. And that's the biggest thing we need to address in the transfer window. It's not about buying quality players. It's about buying quality characters, I think. It's very much a character issue, I think. We've got some talented players there. If we've got some players, you can go next to them. You can knock a few heads together when the got one gets tough. Because that's what we're seriously like. And I've saw, we saw that on a number of occasions yesterday and throughout the season, of course. But Seamus Coleman is not captain material whatsoever. And I'm not, I know some people might be fans of Coleman here and you guys might be. I am absolutely done with Seamus Coleman as an Everton player. I mean, that's a bit outlandish, but I just don't think he's fit for purpose as an Everton player now and I think we all we all talk about Leighton Baines going but he's probably more qualified to be bombed out than maybe Leighton Baines doesn't deserve to go this soon but I wasn't ha- I'm not happy with Seamus Coleman at all this season I don't mind him to be honest I mean I think I, I always think he could do more as kind of a captain and obviously because as he gets worse and he gets older and he, he doesn't have the legs that he used to have you know he has to be playing that more important role kind of as a team captain, and I, I can't fault him that much. I mean, he doesn't really get in anyone's face, which you know does my head sometimes. You know, sometimes if you see if you see like a crunching tackle come in on one of our players, it's not like the rest of the team, are, you know, are at them. You know, like not. I mean, in I'm not face, asking for another Roy Keane. Yeah, but like you know, a Roy Keane would have. You know, you, you'd hammer them. You know, but like we, we don't have a player like that. And but to even, be fair, sorry, go on. Yeah, no, I'm just, it's just we. We don't have enough. We're in a real problem at the moment where the midfield isn't good enough in terms of quality. But then we also, as as Terry said, we need we need characters, but we need quality. And and that that's not always the easiest thing to find because I think Gomez has quality on the ball. <laughs> Is he a strong character? I'm not, not sure. Really. He, no, he never seems to care. Tom Davies, so. 
Tom Davies likes to put an attack within the derby sometimes, but he doesn't. Tom Davies kind of is just the other way around. I think he's I think he's got the character, but he's not got the ability. I, yeah. I don't even know how much of the character he's got to be honest, because in it when when you kind of lack the quality that he does, you need to be looking for much more character from him in games like this when it absolutely doesn't matter and you just need to fight for the sake of fighting and it doesn't matter. And even he. He's, I mean, he's been awful since the restart. He's been one of my least favourite players for most of the season. He's just, his decline has just been so dramatically awful. And especially because centre midfield is a place where, you know, you need a bunch of shithouses, really. You need people who are going to happy make some crunching tackles. Obviously, Put it this way, you can't hide. Yeah, you can't. And, and, like, our, and our midfield Gay, is hidden all season. Yeah, Gay was never really like a shithouse player, but like he was happy to... Put in tackle, he's happy to just snap ankles if he needed to at the end of the day. He, he mucked in, and our midfield that's it in a, in a 4 4 2 in particular. But regardless of the formation, you can't hide in midfield, and too many of our players hide both on and off the ball. By the way, not putting tackles in when we haven't got the ball, but also not looking for the forward pass when we have got the ball. We're not ambitious enough, the center midfielders, when they pick the ball up either. I think that's one of the main things why I was laying into Seamus Coleman a bit as well as that his mindset, his mentality when he picks the ball up is absolutely shocking. Every time you run, uh, you see him and you think, come on, bomb it down the wing or you know, look for a ball down the line, he turns back and passes it to Michael Keane. Every single time he tries to look for... I'd rather pass to Michael Keane than Theo Walcott, to be fair. I can't stand giving Walcott the ball. <laughs> But the fact of the matter is, he's the right winger. He's supposed to be... and I mean, that's a, another issue in itself. Maybe if Theo Walcott isn't creating enough on the right and he's not holding his own. But we, Seamus Coleman needs to be looking for more forward passes on and making more forward moves because it's, it's no point. Literally, he just walks up and as soon as somebody presses him, he turns back and passes it to the centre-backs. And that's just not good enough. I mean, th- th- this is the exact issue that we have, is that players are not being ambitious enough on the ball. Luca Dean's probably about as ambitious as we've got in terms of players trying to move us forward. And even then, he doesn't always play brilliantly, but he's been one of the better ones since the season resumes. But I've got loads of time for Luca Dean for that regard. Absolutely. I think he is a, he's a... I think he's a proper Everton player. Not only is he... Um, will he... Will he get in the face of an opposition and he'll you know he'll give as good as he gets and you know he'll he'll mouth off and he'll fight. He's also got that bit of quality as well. He's got that he wants to go forward. He just no, he is, how much can he do from left back? You need that across the pitch. Like it's I'm I'm all for Luca Dean. I think the first thing we should be doing this summer before we even sign a player is getting him on a new contract. We've got Calvert Lewin on one, we've got Earl Gates on one, we've got Richarlison on one. I think make the four, the the, the big four. They're, the, they're, they're the four best players we've got. Get him on one and get, and and lock him down because I, I I think he's one of the most, the two most crucial players of the club. Him and Richarlison. Absolutely, and I think the four you've just named when we talk about characters, they're probably the four only characters we've got in terms of actually maybe having yeah. the right mentality. Yeah, I mean. I'll just go back to what you said before. I don't particularly agree with what you said on Coleman. That's not to say I think Coleman's, you know, particularly playing well or anything like that. I think it's a it's a moot point before we even begin because he's clearly what Carlos man is, and he he likes you know he likes Coleman. He's played Coleman a lot. 
Coleman suits the sort of sort of shape he wants to play with that sort of right back come third centre back. He's lost his ability going forward, but he's gained ability in defence, which is weird. It was never a strong suit, but he seems to have been doing a lot. Yeah, better. he has to be to be fair, but at the end of the day, he's really struggling. Yeah, I mean the the thing about the leadership though is captain, especially at the English clubs. I remember I listened to um, part of a ironically like Peter Couch podcast saying in English clubs, captain is much much more an off-the-field position. So you might, everyone is clamouring for Holgate to be captain, but Holgate might not want to go round and dish the fines out to the team and all all that stuff on the, you know, like, the, and, and organise the Christmas night out. I don't think you need a new captain. I think you just need leaders on the pitch. Tim Cale was never our captain. Neither was Stephen Naismith. Like, it, neither was Thomas Graveson. We, they weren't our captains, but they were bastards on the pitch and they led on the pitch, but they never had the armband. They didn't need it. I think the this captain role is not as important in regards to on the on the field character as just having those characters on the pitch. Tim Cale is the perfect example. He never ever well, it maybe once or twice in a, in a pinch, but he was never. Yeah, don't I can never remember him leading the team out as a captain. He just occasionally took the armband when Neville or Jaggy Elfin ever went off. I'd like to see. You know, when we buy these centre midfielders and right midfielders, I want to see them have a bit of needle. I want to see them come in and go. Yeah, you can play. You know, he's a he's a good player, but I also want you to be to be bastards, basically. As you know, to, without using the word that Jose Mourinho used, if you saw that clip of him on, um, there was a trailer for the Amazon Prime, um, oh. <laughs> yeah, the Amazon Prime show for um, Tottenham. He, he says the the Tottenham team need to all be seeing you next Tuesdays. Um, I think we need a bit of that. We need to sign Definitely. a few Tuesdays. And I, I I get what you mean with Coleman, but I think he's going to be one of the players who, and you've got to remember as well, Carlos sees off the pitch. I think he's took one look at Coleman and thought, well, he's got the right attitudes. His ability, he's not the flying, you know, right back he was in Martinez's first season, but that's not that's that's beside the point. I think he he likes his impact on the dressing room. I don't even think it's necessarily he doesn't have to be a flying right back. He just needs to. Be able to pick a forward pass and maybe put a cross in a bit better. I think that's what we're missing. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I still, I've said this for two years. I think we need a right back, Luca Dean. Still haven't found one. We've Precisely also, that, yeah. We need to, we you know, we tried to eBay hasn't worked. Obviously, he's gone, he's left now, and the club's been pretty final in its wording on the tweet, hasn't it? Saying you know, good luck for your career. Like, yeah, he's not coming back. So. It's not as you know, it's not as easy as that. But when we bought Luca Dean, does anyone think we were buying the league's best left back? No, like we just oh we're buying some some lad from Barca who's you know he's been at PSG he's been at Roma he's been at some good clubs this player and he's only young come in he's absolutely qualities you know he's creating more chances than any other fullback in the league and he oh left back I don't know which one it is but um yeah we need to you know Marcel Brands and the club needs more of them this summer you can, no more. No more Wobies, no more Delfs, no, not even any more Moise Keens who, who are a slow bane. We need Luca Deans, we need Richarlison's, we need players who go into the team and their quality straight away. Yeah, that's exactly it. And we, I think we were discussing how many do you think we'll get this summer in terms of additions? I think we'll be looking for three or four. Whether we get that many, I'm, I'm not even certain. Because obviously we have no idea, obviously. The ESC will tell us we're in like millions of quid debt. We can't spend anything. 
then other people will come out and say, you know, we kind of do financial fair play. Obviously, we don't we don't actually know that. What we need is a new midfield. Let's be honest, and probably a right back at some point, and then maybe even a goalkeeper. But I, I don't know how much we're going to get into that because obviously, kind of start sounding like a broken record if we keep talking about Pickford because uh, another shocking performance, obviously against Bournemouth. But yeah. I think I think in terms of signings, we'll only be looking as kind of Terry mentioned as before, kind of two, three maximum, maximum four to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, what position? I think centre midfield's got to be the utmost important, yeah, hasn't it? I mean, centre midfield is so important, but obviously the club clearly most they must fancy Gabamin when he comes back. Obviously, we, we've seen nothing of him, but we do still have a player that we signed for what, twenty-five million or something. It was a defensive midfielder, you know, kind of what we've been lacking in the four-four-two. So they will want to spend loads of money on loads of centre midfielders before they can see, you know, what he can do, and they also won't want to sign loads and loads of centre midfielders without potentially shipping out Sigurdsson or maybe even Davies. I can't even see the two leaving, but they won't just want to sign centre midfielders over and over again because we can't we can't afford to have an overloaded mid- centre midfield when we only play two anyway when we're playing the 4-4-2. So I think we might only even be looking at maybe one centre midfielder, which is annoying, but I think a right midfield has to be a massive, massive um target for us now, especially considering because obviously we've spoken there about Coleman struggles kind of going forwards now but to be fair, he was looking so much better when we were playing the, the five at the back or the three at the back whatever it is, when he played centre-back he's had to switch to a 4-2-3-1 here because Sigurdsson, Gomez and Davies can't play in a two, so for the last kind of two games you know, we've seen him uh, we've seen the, seen the switch to the 4-2-3-1 which doesn't suit Coleman anymore, but the right midfield role is so it's so necessary now because it's such a specific kind of area of Ancelotti's tactics now you have to, you do have to be able to defend but you have to be able to go forwards as well it's a, it's a peculiar position and obviously Iwobi hasn't moulded into it very well at all he, he's really struggled and Sadebe almost at times looked like that kind of player maybe once or twice this season but obviously he wasn't good enough but we do need a very versatile right midfielder now who's going to be able to defend but then obviously carry the ball forwards as well Absolutely and I think right mid and centre mid, I think, are the two, but we've got to get them right. As Terry said before, they can't be slow burners. We've got to have players who can address issues relatively quickly. Yeah, I think a financial fair play is the biggest thing, or, or Premier League profits and sustainability, which it, whatever the Premier League version is, which is a bit tighter than the than the um, European one, I think. I think if there was no no regulation, I think we'd be going mad this summer. I think we'd be getting five or six. We'd be getting a new keeper, two new midfielders, possibly a striker as well. I, I, but obviously it does exist. So centre midfielder, centre back. People don't think we need a centre back, but I think they're going to get one anyway. Um, and uh, right midfielder, and then the I think they they might look at a loan again, similar to Sadibe, if if they can move on John Joe Kenny. I think if John Joe Kenny's here for the as long as John Joe Kenny's here, I don't think they'll get another one. I don't think they think they can carry three right backs. Well, they, they can't, let's be honest. It, it just make no financial sense when they need to fill positions elsewhere. But if they can find a buyer for him, then I think they'll look at the loan market. And they might even look at the loan market if, if the suitable quality player comes up for other positions. But, you know, centre-mid, centre-back and a right midfielder, I think, will be what we bring in, whether that's, you know, two by, one loan, whatever, and they just all need to be quality. I think they, they want Gabriel, which is, you know, an obvious blind man can see that. Um, and then out after that, 
God knows. Maybe they obviously wanted Hoiberg. That hasn't come off. Um, Allen, maybe. Um, I think if there was no regulation, they would probably be planning for the season as if they don't have um, Gabamon and just uh, let him be a bonus. But they can't do that. Like you know, like Thomas said, they they've got a twenty-five million pound midfield there. All right, he's had two horrendous injuries back to back, but they can't just pretend they haven't got that because because he, he's He's probably there as a big, massive, you know, looming thing on the books. So you can't pretend he's not there in the squad because he, he is there. Like the, the spreadsheet, the financial spreadsheet shows twenty-five million pounds sent to midfielder. They can't plan for life not having him because they will have him. It's just right. It's annoying really being in this stupid spreadsheet either, isn't it? Like you know, in the days before FFP, you know. Manchester City would have been a joke like we were for buying Rocky Santa Cruz for stupid money, you know. I know it's it's even even in the financial fair play era, it's we've still it's just t- typical Everton, isn't it? We've we had we had the freedom to spend well and gave it to absolute idiots, and now we've got decent manager in. We're hamstrung by those decisions, but. I don't know. Let's talk about the game anyway. <laughs> the, the transfers because yeah, I know, I mean, I know we do, this happens every time. Every time. I think it's because we're that dissatisfied with what we've witnessed we going on. We just go on about what we're, how we're going to address all the problems because we hate all the problems that we keep seeing when we watch the match. And I think that's literally mm. how we get end up going off on these tangents. But yeah, the game was everything you'd expect from the typical charitable Everton. Dominic Solanke got a goal as well, which is just vintage. You know. I've got a couple of things I wanted out the weekends. We got Watford and Bournemouth went down and Moise Keane got a goal for anyone who watched the pre-match. That, I, they were, that, that was on my wish list. There, there was a couple of things like an Everton win that were off my wish that I didn't <laughs> get, but sorry. Ah, no, we didn't want to win anyway, you know. Ah, <laughs> Moise Keane was good though. I, th- I think we should mention him to be fair because yeah, he was very he's, good. He's taken this opportunity when he's come in, and he did, and he did really well. To be fair, it was like when he started against Newcastle, he had a he had a good game. To be fair, at Goodison, uh, he played well. Then obviously, for whatever reasons, he hasn't he hasn't got his starts. But if you're looking for players who kind of you want, as Ancelotti mentioned, you want healthy competition in the squad. You know, you want competition. You know, breeds better players. And if he's coming in and doing that, that makes Calvert-Lewin sit up. He might have thought he was quite safe, to be fair. In a two-striker formation, we've got three strikers realistically at the club. If You know, Richardson does count as a striker now, but he's not an out-and-out striker. Calvert-Lewin might have felt quite comfortable for a while. Moise Keane's just turned up and he's had a brilliant game. He was he was doing all the hold-up play that Calvert-Lewin was getting really good at before the lockdown started. And, and show more control, be more technical ability. Oh, you know, yeah, no, he had much more technical ability than I think Calvert-Lewin shown, but partnered with his ability to create chances. He was also holding up the ball. You know, sometimes you see strikers who are, they want to just take it down for themselves, who want to dribble. But he was happy to play passes. You know, he he did it one for Richardson on the edge of the box. He set up like the, the assist of the assist for the goal, didn't he, when he kind of put in uh, Walcott or Coleman, whoever it was. You know, he was he was doing really well. I, I was a bit disappointed to see him go off, but I was hoping we might just switch to a two-striker formation at that point because, I mean, <laughs> we, were, we were playing awfully. We might as well have just gone all for so gone, gone for broke yeah yeah but I, I think it's actually I think he's timed that really well because Calvert-Lewin would have been going into the summer thinking I haven't had the best restart but not like Moise Keane's given but us I'm, any trouble like, at the end I'm, of the I'm day almost. yeah but Keane's now turned up and he's he's had a brilliant game I'll be interested to see how he does play in the 4-4-2 which I'd imagine we'll switch back to next season obviously we've only played a couple of 4-2-3-1 games I'll be interested to see how he plays 
with Richarlison. I, I don't know if it'll work. So obviously the two strike formations been it's worked so well because Calvin Lewin's how we did go up for headers, which Moise Keane's not always keen on. He prefers the ball at his feet. But we'll have to see, but a very very good game from Moise Keane to be fair. So he seemed more relaxed, didn't he? Like when you know it's when he was coming off the bench, he was not only was he running everywhere and didn't seem to know where he was meant to be, he seemed knackered straight away. I don't know whether it was anxiety or what, or you know, desperate to make some impression. But when he, he had does. he always looked erratic. Well, yeah, when he started the game, same as with Newcastle, he seemed to grow a little bit into it because he knew I've not got ten minutes. I've got the whole game ahead of me. I, you know, I'll get other opportunities. I'll I'll touch the ball again. You know, whereas if you come on for ten minutes, you might not touch it more than two or three times. If you know, depending on who you're playing. But you know, Carlo said, hasn't he? Like he's going to be our player next season, which which to me means I'm going to play him a lot more next season. So I I personally, you know, don't think. In a two-man system, I think uh, Calvert-Lewin is the straw that stirs the drink there. I think he, it's him and one of the others. Now, whether Richarlison you know, goes out wide for some games and Keane starts, uh, or they play a front three, I, I personally couldn't see Keane and Richarlison playing together in a two. Um, I just see them. They, 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 might, they, they operate in the same areas. Like They both want to be off the last defender. They don't, like Calvert-Lewin's a little bit... More unselfish, you know what he's I mean? More t- he's more target man, Calvert Lewin. Yeah, he creates space for other strikers, which the other two, you know, can can feed off of. I I personally prefer Richarlison up front, so I think it's a case of Keane's got to try and get in um, when he can. But obviously, if he's playing well enough, Richarlison just on the pitch is, is always a danger. If he plays, I don't don't really like him on the right, but I do I don't mind Richarlison on the left because he get in the four four two. I mean, because he gets to come in a lot more and and you know exploit the space a lot more. I don't want to see him just pulling far right every game and just whipping in crosses. That's not what I want to see Richarlison doing. He's either up front or he's in that sort of inside left with Luca Dean on the outside of him. But mm. ideally. There could be a place for him on the left because Bernard hasn't done very well, and Wobi, as we said before, isn't hasn't been great either. So there is there's still an opening in that left midfield position. Even obviously Anthony Gordon could go in there as well, but that's still very much up for grabs for any of those four to play in that position. If we don't get um, a, a right winger or one doesn't become available. Anthony Gordon when he went on the right I know that's not his preferred position but you know if you're a young kid and you go into this Everton team you, you'd look across it and go right he probably in his ideal world would play that Richarlison role as well that sort of second striker but he's obviously going to look at it and go £50 million player who's in my way there and then another £30 million player or whatever we paid for Keane on the left I've got you know Iwobi and Bernard and possibly Richarlison alright he's been playing better than the two of them but I, if I'm if I'm Anthony Gordon, I just look and go that right mid's mine. I'm gonna make yeah. that. I'm gonna be. We we want from the third the right midfield. We want someone to stretch the play, to stay out wide, and to be that third goal threat along with the two strikers. If I'm Anthony Gordon, I just go that's mine. I know I I prefer to play on the left, but if I if I nail down that right hand side, that's mine. I'm starting every game. An interesting and he, an interesting idea as well would also be if Gordon does slot in that position. What's to stop him and Richarlison swapping roles during the game and giving the opposition something to think about? Yeah, I mean, this is how a lot of you know young players get the you know. And the stripes. Yeah, I hate breaking these up, but 
Alexander Arnold became a right back because he thought that's how I'm getting in the team. Now look at him, he's doing he's doing brilliantly. I think you know I'm, I'm all for it. I think it speaks a lot to young players' character if they play out of position to get themselves in the team because it's not like massively out of position, is it? If he plays left at midfield slash striker to go on the right, you just you know what I mean, like. When he played yesterday, he, you know, he ran at the back of their players, which is more than Walcott does. Walcott never, you know, has the ball at his feet and runs at them. That's what um, Gordon was doing when he was trying things. He, he had the opposition, you know, fullback worries. I'd like to see him in pre-season, you know, unless we get someone quality there, you know, then you just, you know, tipping Gordon in and out across the season, across all those positions. But if we don't get the right player for the right, I'd say to Gordon, go, how much do you want it, lads? Play, play there and, and make that, you know. Absolutely. Uh, just one last thing. Obviously, we're talking about competition for places. Do you think that could help Jordan Pickford? Obviously, he's been awful lately, but could that be a nice challenge for him? Maybe some. Maybe he feels he's untouchable at the moment. That he needs a bit of a rocket up his backside. I think competition is what we've spoken about for Jordan Pickford since he arrived. Really, I mean, when he came, it was the season after we signed Stettenberg as a as a third choice, and he ended up being first choice. He's now only just left the club and you, you, you know you'd be forgiven for thinking he wasn't still here I mean he's ridiculously old now I can't even like imagine how old he is but he came in and he and he did well for his first season he came from a obviously an awful awful Sunderland side but then we still haven't signed competition uh Losel came in or <laughs> we don't know if he's awful but the fact he's being loaned to a struggling Huddersfield says a lot about him as a player they clearly didn't fancy him when he joined they took a punt on him because obviously he was a free transfer. Yeah, yeah. He'd been released. You know, you, you take a chance. It clearly didn't work. Stettenberg was never pulling up any trees, was he? He was never causing any problems to Jordan Pickford. And we've been crying out for competition for Pickford for so long. And I think even if he doesn't have competition at the club now, competition for the England goalkeeper might be a massive thing from now because obviously Henderson's had a very good season. Nick Pope's always in with a shout of getting into the England team. If we don't provide him competition at the club, he might almost stop picking up his performances purely because he doesn't want to lose that England number one spot, does he? I mean, I mean, it's one of his defining characteristics. Obviously, that penalty shootout against Colombia, like, but he needs competition at the club. And obviously, we've been linked with Romero, who I think it would make sense. United probably don't want to keep him around if they've got Dean Henderson coming through because they won't want to lose Dean Henderson really, uh, especially considering how young he is. And Romero wouldn't be a bad option to be fair, but it's it's almost got to the point for me is. Is John Pickford just not very good? That's the problem. I think he's good at certain aspects of goalkeeping, but is he a very good all-round goalkeeper? Like, does he have the the cool head that you need? I think absolutely not. And he, he maybe he'll just take an, an older goalkeeper like Romero is. I mean, Romero's not really old, but he, he he's not like in the youth of his career. Maybe he'll take a goalkeeper to come in who's still capable, who's still got like a calm head about him, and is good enough to kind of get into the team to maybe eventually kick kickstart Pickford and. Uh, improve his game. Well, I've heard rumours about Salvatore Sirigu, which I think would be a fantastic idea. It depends how much he'd ask for, I think. I mean, I, th- I can see why like why he'd come. But that's the same for Romero as well. Romero will be on a decent wage at United. I think he'll be quite happy to stay as the number two. But if they do tell him now to get out the door because they've got Dean Henderson, he'll, he'll be looking for a club where he could earn a wage. And obviously, it's it's not ideal to hear, but he, he could earn that wage at us, to be fair. Sirigu would be an interesting one. I think he's getting on a bit now though I can't actually he's think th- about how old he is he's 33 yeah um, 
for a goal. It depends really because that old and it's not that old, but I don't think we want to end up with another Martin Steppenberg. To be fair, that's just kind of sat around, kind of part of the furniture, not really, not really doing anything major. But I think goalkeeper is going to have to be a problem that we address at some point because, I mean. It was an awful save, but we should also mention how bad Keane was for that goal, uh, for the third goal. He just kind of looked at it and watched it roll in. It was just—it was really strange. It was like he just stopped playing. I couldn't really get my head around that, but awful from Pickford yet again. And he just needs to... I mean, we've, <laughs> we've been saying this since the Newcastle game, the, the, the 3-2 game, that he just needs to calm down. It's ridiculous. He could be a very good goalkeeper, but he's just so erratic. It's unbelievable. Yeah, he needs to be more mature. Just one thing before we finish. I mean, I was a little bit, maybe a bit over dramatic after the game finished yesterday. I think I felt very miserable. Uh, the, I said if we didn't address any problems, we could be relegated next season. Do you think we'll be all right next season? I'm I, think some, we'll, I'm I think we'll somebody, be fine. I'm looking for some reassurance here. I lads, think we'll be absolutely I'm, fine. Ancelotti knows exactly what he's doing. Gabamin's almost like a new signing if if he does end up, oh, you know. There we go. No, I mean, we say that, but, you know, we're looking for a centre midfield signing and we've got a lad who played like two games before he got injured, to be fair. So he'll be coming back in the team who might answer questions that, that we are asking. Keane, we hope, can hit a bit of form. We've got bright, you know, young players like Branthway and Gordon. We'll, we'll be fine next season. Whether it'll be the season where we really kick on, we can never really know. There's so many kind of false horizons for us over the years. Whether next season's going to be the one where it's absolutely going to click, probably not. But I think we'll improve definitely on this season. There's no way Ancelotti's going to take the lowest before, like lowest position, our worst position since what 2004 or something. So I, I see massive improvements happening. Maybe not the European football that would be after, but we'll definitely be up there challenging again next season. Yeah, I think it's just it's hard to be optimistic, I guess, after watching your team get beat at home off a relegated team. <laughs> I remember uh, when we got beat by um, Sunderland 3-0. I remember when that like secured them staying up. I mean, that was that kind of Bournemouth game kind of like gave me echoes of that game. That was awful. Was that still Martinez season? I can't even think now. That was Martinez. Was quite a while ago. That's got what got Martinez the sack. That yeah, game. I got serious flashbacks of that game yesterday. Too, yeah. but, and it, it was just, just kind of like we had nothing to play for. They had it all. But then if you think about it, wow, that's a dreadful, dreadful performance. <laughs> That was when they all just down tools on Martinez quite like they, they, that was when you knew he's got to go. Like I mean he, he was going anyway, but you could see it like they weren't playing for him at that point. Um just on what James said, I'm not um no, no we, we were a lot, lot worse under the Kuman Allardyce year. We were playing, you know, our best player was Tosin and and you know we had Ashley Williams at the back, and we had Wayne Rooney in midfield, and we finished seventh. Like you can never ever rule out relegation ever, but we're outside of the top six, the Sky Six. We're as close as you can get to being, you know, I don't want to say relegation proof, but you're not going to get relegated when you've got Richarlison and that up front. It's there's, there'll always be three worst teams. Whether we actually do anything is another matter, as Thomas said, but. No, I'm not worried about that. Um, not with this manager, not with some of these players. It's but that shouldn't be what we're looking at. Everyone's we we've spent in you know, we've got the twelfth most expensive squad in Europe. We shouldn't even be looking at that. Like it doesn't guarantee you anything, but it should guarantee you're not worrying about going down. <laughs> at some point, you've got it's got to be a rock bottom, and I, I don't I, the rock bottom cannot be lower than that. Oh, uh, I just. You know, with a seven, though, just 
the throwing when you think I can't get any worse to just throw something else at you. And I think it's just it's hard to be optimistic at the moment. And you know, uh, like I said before, I'm glad to see the back of this season for obvious, well, new, numerous reasons. Next up, we've got the Leighton Baines tribute segment, if you like. We were dealt the news yesterday, of course, that Leighton Baines has played his last game for Everton and will be retiring from football. Putting the curtain down on 13 years with the club, but leaving us with a lot of great memories. I've got Thomas, Terry and I to look back on some of those memories in this show. Terry, I'll start with you, mate. Uh, it wasn't the way he wants to bow out, obviously, but... You know, there is plenty of great memories for us to look back on with Leighton Baines. What's any sort of highlight for you in his 13 years here? I mean, the highlights just, you know, picked one. You know, like the, there's the free kicks at West Ham, the, the free kick um, against Chelsea in the Cup. The free kick. My personal favourite was that absolute thunderbolt against Newcastle away. Absolute, unbelievable strike. I was it's, lucky enough to actually be there. That was that was yeah. unbelievable. Oh, I, remember, I remember him lining up for it, and I was thinking he, he won't shoot from here. Like uh, someone else is over the ball with him. Is it is it Carsley? I can't remember who it was, but it was someone Pina. else. I thought, yeah, it might have been Pinar actually. Um, someone's over the ball with him as well, and I was thinking, who's going to take this? When if it's a shot, it's Baines because it's left footed, but he surely won't shoot from there, and then he does, and just oh, what a strike! And it's one of the most unassuming, underrated players in the Premier League era ever. And it, the way he's gone out is just very on brand for Baines. He's always he's always been the quiet player, hasn't he? Like, he didn't caught the limelight. Maybe, the, maybe he wanted the bar while there was no fans. Yeah, didn't didn't get the recognition that his talent deserved outside of Everton. Um, and that he's, he's gone out that way, and it might have even been by design. He's, you know, he's obviously just let's be honest, the club have known ahead of time because they've had the videos made and all that, but that that's, doesn't mean that they probably weren't trying to keep him right until the end. He's felt it's the right time and he's he's gone in a way that's sad for everyone else because we haven't given the, you know, the send-off, the, you know, the, the lap of honour and all that. But, you know, we'll see him again. I think, you know, we'll get a testimonial. You know, he'll he'll be he'll be he'll, he'll come back to Goodison at some point. You know, what he might even come back as a coach. And yeah, that's I, I I that's all. When you said see him again, that's going to set me off because I that I was fine until I saw someone make a video compilation with a see you again over it, which was just like yeah, that just confounded my entire like day's worth of depression yesterday. Yeah, I mean, he, he Leighton Baines was. Now it's just it's terrible saying was because it not is, but was one of the top three um, left backs in the Premier League era. Which, when you think about the teams that have been in this league, and he hasn't won anything because he stayed at Everton when he could have gone to Bayern Munich, he could have gone to Man United. It's a travesty. It's like he, he, his talent. He is the left back, Alan Shearer. He was one of the best in the league, but his trophy haul doesn't reflect that due to his loyalty to his club and you know the, the the I personally think he's the best left back in the Premier League era I know a lot of people say Ashley Cole some say Dennis Irwin no no, no. Ashley Cole's the only one who's even close Ashley Cole in a one-off game unbelievable you know like he could take on the best wingers in in world football and, and get the better of them but I think you know Baines as an attacking fullback he's got the record for the most assists for a fullback 53 
I just think he he didn't get the recognition because he didn't go for one of the one of the you know the Sky clubs. Let's be honest. If he goes to Bayern Munich, and let's remember they wanted him in 2010. David Alaber only broke through that season from the youth academy. He was Bayern Munich um, two before that. Um, so there's no you know he he could have gone there. He could have um, won trophies there if he never settled there. Or David Alaber took a spot eventually. Could have went somewhere else and you know another massive team won trophies there. It's it's criminal that he's he's finished his career and he won't get the recognition that he deserves based on the level of club he, he stayed at. And I think the club over his 13-year career, I always said, if, if we've got a Champions League-level player like Lukaku, uh, but we can't provide them Champions League football, we've got no right to expect them to stay after a certain amount of time. Leighton Baines booked that. He stayed with the club, and he's still, I think, one of the top group of fullbacks in the league now at 35. If you look at the left-backs throughout the league, the 20 starting left-backs, he's probably in the top six of them because I he might not have the legs um, over a full season, but ability-wise, I still think he's quality. And his last goal for, for Everton, it's just a shame you know, we lost the penalty shootout. But I think people knew when he scored that goal that we would, you know, I think that sort of dawns on people. And it's going to happen the same way in the stadium in the end, you know, when the stadiums when there's just when people see a spade go in the ground at Bramley Mordock, they'll get that same feel as that Baines goal. They go, Oh, we haven't got long left with Goodison. And that's way Baines felt when he scored that goal. They go, even if he signs for another year, Baines, this like sort of fan favourite, iconic people's champion, if you will, of players, is He is like he is the Jimmy White of football, isn't he? Yeah, he's not got long. He's not got long left, and he's he's went went out on his own terms. He's he's retired with a contract still on the table. And how many top Everton players have declined before they've finally gone? And it's, you know, it's not soured their time here, but they've not gone out on the on a on a positive note. They've gone out on a sort of melancholic note. Baines hasn't done that. Baines has gone out, at, uh, you know, on his own terms, and I already miss him. Quality player, quality Evertonian. Yeah, it's a real travesty to lose a player of this caliber. I mean, he's definitely he's, there's a lot of debate. Is he the greatest Everton left back ever? I don't know. I mean, it's definitely the best Everton left back I've seen. But I, I obviously didn't see the teams of the eighties. Didn't see you know um, the ones of Cassidy's teams like you know Wilson and Van den Howe and people like that. I. Yeah, I'd say he's one of them. If if he'd have, if we, this is the, it's a, such a travesty that we didn't win that FA Cup in two thousand and nine when we had the injuries to Jaggy Elka and um, Yakubu and, and Yakubu. The whole spine of the team was out injured. If we'd have won that final, and we we would have no problem calling these players like Kyle, like Tim Howard, like Leighton Baines. We wouldn't have a problem calling them legends. But because we're a big club. Who who've got steeped in trophies, still the fourth most successful English club. We have a hard time calling players who didn't win a trophy legends. But in any other club who aren't as successful as we are historically, he'd just be a legend like that. There'd be no question about it whatsoever. So it's a hard tag to earn without a trophy. But I think if any players deserve it without a trophy, Baines is going to be one of them. Certainly, I think. You talk about players who play for Everton this century and not won anything. Obviously, nobody this century has. He's probably the only one who probably stakes a claim for a place in the greatest ever Everton team. And I think that's testament to 
how great he's been for us. Yeah, I think it sums up just, you know, just I think because in my eyes, he's, he's an absolute Everton legend. But I think it just sums up how many Everton players in the last kind of, in this kind of Ken Wright era almost have we seen who have been at Everton through the peak of their careers. Like, there's not loads. I mean, I I can't even think of many, to be fair. And especially not just the peak of their careers, but the peak to the extent that he got to it. You know, we always have players on the come up like Lukaku was, but you know, before he left. You know, we can see players like Tim Cahill who were probably at their peak, but they never hit the, you know, the kind of European, you know, the top European players as Baines has throughout his whole career. But like and I think that just sets him apart massively from pretty much every player that that's been around in my lifetime that I, even now we're not gonna have players like him who the, the ability that he had would wouldn't just you know would just turn down a contract uh, somewhere else to, to stay at Everton because even now obviously we've got the money to spend but even if as, as we saw with Lukaku we we could afford to pay him you know what he wanted to you know earn at Manchester United or whatever but he still left anyway I I don't think we'll see a player like Baines for a very long time uh, one one of my favourite players ever and I think comfortably an Everton legend and it summed up just kind of his attitude he just kind of strolled onto the pitch during the drinks break, made that brilliant challenge against Callum Wilson. And then there was no like, you know, no, no like faff on at the end of the game, gave it a thumbs up to whoever was stood in the stands, just walked off. But like, and just, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm always glad from the happened like that because it's clearly exactly how he wanted it, especially from Coleman's interview when he said it's how he wanted it, you know, just kind of stroll in, stroll back out, you know, that, that's just the player he was. He is, he's, definitely think, that, he's definitely that kind of player, isn't he, where he's like, the guy at the birthday party just doesn't want anyone to bring a cake help for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's just he's just such a such a brilliant player, and he was for so long. And and as Terry said, he's he's still probably getting to a lot of teams in the Premier League. That's a, that's the thing, especially with experience. And I hope he stays on some role. I hope because Coleman's mentioned uh, in that interview that he's done today or yesterday, whenever it was, about six years ago he wouldn't see him as a coach, but now seeing him how he is, maybe he would be a coach. I can't say it. I, I hope he stays in some sort of capacity to deal with youth players, as, as I mentioned to you, lot in some sort of kind of loan development role. Because obviously, when players go out on loan, obviously we've struggled with the loan system massively. Let's be honest, we've only kind of had like Gibson go out, Broadhead go out recently very much. And if they're not getting the constant kind of communication from people like Brands, people like Unsworth, you know, who have other jobs, uh, other, you know, responsibilities that they have to fulfil. Their development might not be the same. If you have a presence like Baines, who it's not his job to sort out the loans, but when you know when you've got young players out, if they can come back to him as kind of like a point of point of course, some sort of liaise, I think it would I think it would work massively. And I think he'll have a massive influence if he stays at the club over the youth coming through because of just his, his absolute experience but also the the ability that he has. But if he doesn't want to stay I mean, I don't blame him. He doesn't seem like the character that would want to hang around. He probably just wants to, you know, just go on with the rest of his life. Like, you know, this, like this never happened, you know, join some sort of indie band, go down to the pub, go to some Everton games. I, I wouldn't put it past him, but... He's just trying really, to that, that type of player. He's yeah, but I really hope he does could ever imagine, any. I hope they find just like a Baines role at the club. That's not your stereotypical coach, but just a, an absolute level. The Leighton Baines could just find himself. He doesn't even have to turn up every day could come and play his guitar for the for the lads in the under 23s. That's why he'll be playing the guitar in the fan zone before kickoff. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be remarkable to be fair, but sadly I, I don't think I could ever see that happening. I wouldn't nah. be surprised, you know, if he just hangs around Finch Farm now just playing his guitar, talking to Coleman, you know. Oh just my god, that's, what he's, gonna, likes, that's really. what he's gonna do. He's gonna be like 
our equivalent of Jamie Webster and do all them stupid boss fights where it gets oh, off. I hope not. Like, I hope he doesn't turn on that equivalent. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, but, uh, but just, a, just a brilliant player, yeah. I think before we finish on this one, we've got to touch on it. Uh, we talked about his greatest, greatest memories of Leighton Baines and all those great goals that he scored, free kicks. My greatest memory is when Leighton Baines ordered an ice cream at Craven Cottage. <laughs> I think that'll, that, that's one of those all-time Everton... I mean, it's, it, it's, it's probably one of the best memories I've got of the last decade supporting Everton. It's just watching Leighton Baines order a 99 from some ice cream man outside Craven Cottage. If there was ever like, an ideal like photo that you'd want if you ran... Like... The out of context Everton accounts or whatever, that would absolutely be the one, you know. Being just, just, just doing what he does, you know. He never wanted to be clearly one of the big stars that you see these days. Every, everyone wants to be, you know, the big names. I mean, you, you, you don't even hear, you, have, you don't ever hear about what Leighton Baines does off the pitch, really. I mean, he's got that great thought with Alex Turner, I think it was, of, of those lads. I mean, that's like the most you ever seen of Baines is like outside life, which is just some of the player he was. But so, that photo, and then giving those lads a lift. I can't even remember where they were going or what that was for, but that, that just summed them up perfectly. Just, just you know, an Everton fan, really, who was playing for the club. Yeah, I'll have to... Sorry, go ahead. The pre-season game, going to Blackburn, that. And um, I remember at the time dying of cringe, going, oh, couldn't you have picked up, like, a nice dad and son? He had to pick up the worst lizards ever, <laughs> the naughtiest left-back in town. I was like, oh, and he's, he's immediately regretted loping in his car door there with those lads, but it just, just shows how sound he was. Yeah, he's just, he's just dead cool, and he in every way. Yeah, but I'll just have to, before we finish, I'll have to shout out to me, uh, best mate, if he's watching, because he used to be a waiter in the quarter. And uh, late, he was a waiter one day when Leighton Baines came in and uh, he, he, wants, he only wanted the dessert and there was no tables. And he said, and he said, no, he can't. You can't sit down. Sorry, you'll have to wait. And he said, uh, no, it's all right. I'll just eat it in the car. And <laughs> literally, he just he, he just waited, waited, got his dessert and like just ate it in the front seat of his car. And, and he said, he's just the soundest bloke on the planet. Unassuming. Unassuming. I think he, he sums up the Everton fan base very well, if you ask me. I think it, the, the typical humble... I don't know about that. <laughs> which which part's the fan base? <laughs> well, the, the humility, more than anything else. I think he's just so understated. And, you know, when you compare it to that lot across the park, it was definitely understated. Well, yeah, good save. I was going to say, it's not, a, it's not angry enough. No, it's a, it's a good point. I'd love to have be as cool and composed as Leighton Baines, but, you know, I've been watching Everton for too long. Oh, I was always thinking, like, what Leighton I Baines will turn into one of us after 13 years of watching it. I was thinking, like, what I'd do if I ever met, like, Leighton Baines in the street. I don't know if I'd, like, act it cool and just... Just kind of give him a nod or something like that. I've, I've, I don't done know exactly, how I've seen him once in the street and he's done exactly that. And he was eating a Greg's pasty. I mean, that, that, that's that, that, isn't that just vintage. I've, um, I've met him a couple of times, um, saved him in work and stuff. And I, I've, when I, I used to work at JD and I was the manager of a footwear department, and what I was meant to do was manage basically and let the staff like do things. Um, and it was, um, 
they'd order like the shoes for people and then it'd go into a queue and it'd be on a screen like you see them in, in like, pretty much every JD now it'd be like a screen of orders that were coming down it'd go green when yours was and when I saw Leighton Baines I walked over to him and I was just like I proper abused my position and went no 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 Leighton Baines doesn't wait in the queue like everyone else I was like what do, what do you need Leighton and he just went I need this this and that for his kids and I just went into the back because no one could stop me because I was in charge got them myself took them completely out of the queue and went Come over to this till, mate. If, if you're Leighton Baines and you walk into a shop that I'm running, you don't wait in no queue. You go straight to the till. <laughs> the naughtiest left back in town does not wait in, in a queue on my watch. Clearly, the naughtiest left back in town doesn't wait to retire either. He, 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 he <laughs> retires when he wants. So that's uh, mm. I, I that was my Leighton Baines story. I crawled right up his ass, but don't care. I mean, I wish I had a Leighton Baines story. Ooh, to be fair, thing is, though, I think I think everyone he's he's probably the when people talk about like Everton icons of our generation, I don't think there's any who come. I mean, maybe Tim Cale, I think, with the exception of that, I don't think anyone really comes close to Leighton Baines. Yeah. No, definitely. Not. I mean, Tim, Tim Cale, Leighton Baines, you've nailed it there. It's it's them two, isn't it? And you know, as, as a scouser, probably Baines edges it for me just because of the locality and the whole. You know, he's, he's, he's got, well, I say Scouts, he's from Kirby, but we'll brush over that. Eh? <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, we'll, um, we'll leave it at that. Anyway. We'll finish on a high note uh, that Leighton Baines is probably the most iconic Everton player of the 21st century. And you can't say any better than that, really, can you? I mean, no. there you go, more guys. jealous saying that you've met Leighton Baines a few times like that. <laughs> That's absolutely yeah. I mean, I, over I, here, you so- never see anyone. Literally. I met him a, cu- a couple of other times as well, but there was not as much to that. I chatted to him for two minutes, and then that was it. Like, but that one was the most interesting because that time I was I was a manager and abused me power to <laughs> to uh, to sort him out. I I never even spoke to him. I just let on to him while he was eating a sausage roll, and I, was, I think that's as that's as good as it will. Uh, that's as good as I ever wanted to get. To be honest, that's <laughs> like the, per- the the perfect like one-off scenario. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, if, if if it doesn't work out for him, he's de- he'll definitely uh, do well as like the face of Greg's or something. <laughs> That's a bit harsh, Craig. <laughs> yeah. Face of Greg's, yeah, me. I mean, I think I think Ben should be aiming higher as the face of Greg's, to be honest. <laughs> Typical of his career, that never gets the recognition or the level he deserves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, what 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 would what would you say is the what what would you say he'd, he'd do with the rest of his life? <laughs> yeah, it's just. Uh, appetise Greg. Harsh, to be fair. I oh, want to see him was... go to wherever Tony Hibbert spends his day fishing these days. Just, <laughs> I, I reckon I'd like to see those two just in that pond. You know that photo of Hibbert holding that massive oh, fish. I wouldn't mind Baines just going there. How good would it be just having like those two like do their own like vlog like this, but just about <laughs> fishing or something? I think it'd be brilliant. I like to think of it as like you know, like Lord of the Rings, where they all go off at the end to like over the sea, or like the Hobbits and Gandalf and all. I like to think all the Everton players who are popular. If you manage to finish at Everton and not be hated, you go off onto this this mythical lake and just fish for the rest of the game. <laughs> and Tony Hibbert's there. Just, well, just, well, just well, when you say fish, you just drop them bait for Everton fans. <laughs> Too much, yeah. Anyone who manages to get out without being despised at the end gets to fish forever. Goes to Tony Hibbert's fishing paradise. You need a dire hero or live long enough to become the villain. I'm telling yeah, I'm telling you, Jerry made a name, um, a children's book based off a, a joke me him and Max said, 
I'm going to make that children's book, Tony Ibbett's um, Afterlife Paradise. Oh, that, that, there you go. They'll be clamouring to sign you up for a deal for that one. Honestly, that's that's quality, that. Um, but, I mean, wherever this lake is, I want to go there and do some fishing anyway. You've got to earn it, though, to be fair. You kind of just rock up to Tony Hibbert's Fishing Afterlife Paradise by just, just having this career. You know, you you got to earn it first. Yeah, Darlison's well on his way, but there's the thing, you know, he's, he's only young. It depends how he leaves. Yeah, it's a good point. Like I say, you need to die a hero or live long enough to become the villain. <laughs> I think that I think the player reviews can now just can now just come down to whether we think they'll make it to Tony Hibbert's paradise now as as we rate Everton player seasons. <laughs> yeah, so, so, sort the numbers. We'll we'll just go go by the uh, Tony Hibbert fishing seal of approval. <laughs> <laughs> right, next up we've got the first of our post-second bit of the season playing reviews and we'll get straight into it anyway so now the season is officially over I mean it was we didn't know where we stood back then but we've finally got the season completely out of the way and we can get back to rating our players performances this season but today we're actually going to be reviewing a player who hadn't actually kicked the ball for Everton until about just over two weeks ago. And, of course, that player is Janet Branthwaite. So, yeah, it's a bit a bit of an interesting one because we, we didn't really know much about him. But, obviously, we've had, what, just, just four games, not even four full games of watching Janet Branthwaite. But we'll, we'll go through it anyway. We'll start with you, Thomas. We only signed this lad in January from Carlisle United in League 2. But what have you made of him so far? I mean, <laughs> he's been absolutely brilliant. The way he's stepped in, I'm not going to say he's like a brilliant footballer. I'm sure he, I really hope he goes on to be. I don't think we can say that after four games. But just the ability to step into a team on the decline and be as good and kind of the calm and presence that he has been. Because imagine, you know, you turn 18 years old, you know, while the season's still going on. You know, you're 17 when you sign. You come into a team where team leaders like... Gilfie Sigurdsson, you know, the captain sometimes, you know, don't care, you know, they're coming in, they're not, they're not kind of motivating anyone. You come into a team, you never play Premier League football, you barely even kicked a football in League Two, to be fair, because he didn't make loads of appearances for Carlisle senior team while he was there. And he's just done, he's done really well uh, to come in. I hope we, I hope Holgate stays fit and I hope maybe we do sign a centre-back to take the limelight off him a bit because he's kind of just, he's been thrown into a very much a baptism of fire and not, I have I have called him the second coming of Maldini in one of my tweets, which was obviously a bit of a joke, and some people didn't appreciate that. But I, I really hope he does well. I hope he's not just forced into a next season because um, he he still obviously has a lot of time to develop. Younger than me, which is a ridiculous stat. I think I've said it quite a few times, but it's still the most insane stat I can think about. He's just I think he's done really well when he's come in, but I hope he's given the chance to spend more time around the squad, not having to start every week, learning from the players around him before he's kind of just thrown in every game. Because let's be honest, after that Wolves game, I was concerned because I, I, I didn't personally criticise him for the foul he gave away and then obviously the free kick, but I knew there'd be so many people on Twitter who would come flying in. And I'd, I felt bad from then, but he's, he's answered them perfectly already. Um, had, a, had a good game against Villa, had a ridiculously good game against Sheffield United after a nervy start. And when you see young players kind of have nervy starts, sometimes, you know, you see them get substituted off. They don't really, you know, get their head down. 
but he had a, he had a poor start against Sheffield United, then turned around to become the man of the match, which is a lot to be said for a player that young. And uh, I think he's I think he's got a lot of potential to be fair. Yeah, it's definitely something to look forward to next season. If when we, by God, we need them, some things to look forward to. But Terry, yeah, what do you make of Branthwaite's four appearances so far in an Everton shirt? I mean, he's took everyone by surprise, hasn't he? I think even the club he's took by surprise. There's no way he was brought in with an, with an one eye on on him playing first team football. What he's done is he spared the club's blushes because we we went into the season with three senior centre backs. And we got away with it right up until you know the the project restart when it obviously bit us quite hard because we got Mina and Holgate injured at once. Um, I personally think he was brought in to be in the under twenty threes and be behind Lewis Gibson, who you've got to wonder how does he feel right now? You know, because <laughs> he I think he went out on loan and was he not out on loan for the restart? I think we'd have probably seen him. Yeah, probably. I think he would have been ahead of Brantwaite in the pecking order, but um, he's come in and he's acquitted himself. You know, he's done he's done really well. It's just now it's a matter of what do we do with him next? Like because he's obviously made the impression now. Like supporters have seen him, you can grasp onto those performances and go right. Well, he's an option. He's not this like you know intangible under twenty three player who you go. Is he good enough? I don't know. I haven't seen him, but now people have seen him. Anytime there'll be a bad. Um, Centre back performance, people will clamour for him to come in. Oh God, yeah. That's that's fair enough. He's put himself in that conversation. So what do we do with him now? There's, for me, there's only two two options. It's either goes out on loan, but a good loan like a John Joe Kenny to Schalke loan, like goes to a good club who needs a centre back, not like you know, Joe Virginia. He'll just go and and he, he he'll get dropped and then he won't play. He'll just sit on someone else's bench. You know, go to a club who needs a centre back. Who played a decent level championship or uh, you know somewhere else you know one of the one of the other leagues because he's only young like you know Thomas said then he's younger than he is now that Baines has gone they're all younger than I am um, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a that's a weird thought um, but he's got he's still got mistakes to make uh, he's he's still learning he's not played a lot of football he's got the ability he's got the talent he's certainly got the physique he seems like he's a you know like a a proper player, like a men's side player, but he needs to go out and play regularly week in, week out, so he can learn. I don't want him to be making his mistakes at Everton. In front of angry Everton fans. Because it's too high a level, there's too much pressure. Like, I I think he needs to be out on loan, a good loan, and be playing regular football. The other alternative is keep him around and have him be the fourth centre-back if we'd get Gabriel and Michael Keane goes, because then you've got two left-sided centre-backs in um, Gabriel and um, Branthwaite, and you'd have two rights within Mina and Holgate. Now, there's obviously a lot of ifs and buts there, and, you know, Michael Keane, there's, you know, whilst a lot of people have mentioned him moving on because it seems like a good fit if we get Gabriel, there's no one linked with him. Could not happen. Could We could get Gabriel and Michael Keane stays we could not get Gabriel, but there is something to be said for keeping him around, you know, the first team squad and having him figure in that. But what he cannot do now at this point, I don't want to see him play under 23 football. I think that'd be an aggression. He's gone from playing oh. first team football in the under in um, Carlisle to having first team games in the Premier League. I don't want to see him then suddenly go into the under 23s. I think that'd be a step backwards for him. So for me, it's either on loan 
or incorporate him into the four. And if if that doesn't, if you're looking to bring Gibson back and then he goes and is the fourth centre back or, or whatever you know the plan is, then Brantwaite's got to go out on loan. I don't want to see him go out anywhere lower than the Championship. I wouldn't like to see him in League One. I think he's proved he can. I think he's, he's good enough for the Championship at worst. Yeah, I I I think he's his pathway has been jet propelled. I think I think these three performances was it three or four? Four, both. Oh, yeah. yes. I think these four performances have knocked a year off his developments. Like they've put the fast forward to them past the league. I think he would have went to a Fleetwood or a League One side had he not played. He'd have gone from League Two being bought into Everton's under 23s into a League One side, maybe. I think he's absolutely put the jetpack, the jet boosters on his progression. And now he's at the loan to Germany, loan to the Netherlands, no loan to the Championship stage. And then come back and see if you're the first teamer. Credit to the lad, I think he's been brilliant. I think this is a point now, sorry, just with our under-23s, because obviously there's been a lot questioned about do we utilise the under-23s team correctly? We have so many players who get stuck there, they don't go out on loan. This is an absolute, this could be a turning point for the club in in that kind of strategy of how we handle it. How we handle it massively. I was just about to interrupt you with exactly what you've just said. Sorry. Yeah, just well, the well played. You're spot on. Yeah, this is a massive chance now for the club to go. You know, we haven't done well enough with the under 23s. Ben and Gimme hasn't done well enough. Bowler's done all right at all, but he hasn't pulled up any trees. Virginia was not good enough for Redden. And then you look at players like Matthew Pennington, who's like twice my age these days. You know, he's, he's ridiculously old. Garbutt left at what 20? 27. He was older than Luca. He was older than Luca Dean by the time he left. Ridiculous, really. This is the point now where we see if there is a genuine problem at the club with the structure. That if we now have a player like Branthwaite, who's done so well in the last four games, if he then gets put back into the under 23s, which is League Two level at best, I'd say, obviously, because they've got because they've kind of got the checker trade trophy on there where it's meant to be them. It's under 23s versus League Two and League One clubs tends to be won by League One clubs. So I'd say there's probably League Two-ish level for players like the under-23s. He can't, he cannot afford to drop into there now. And the club can't afford to put him in there now because they've seen it stunts players' growth massively. And if he needs a loan, I'm sure the club will know that because they, they're clearly intent on signing Gabriel. They'll have Gibson coming back, who's had his time out on loan. Branthwaite just he can't afford to now go into the under-23s, waste away because he looks like a, a, a very good player if he realises his potential. Let's be honest, we've badly mishandled the under-23s for a long time. How do we best utilise the under-23s? Because what who plays in that team when it's obviously a bit of a barrier to the growth, like you say? I'd... Um... I mean, I'd changed the name for the kickoff. This wasn't my idea. I've, I've nicked this off El Pavotti, so just full disclosure. Change it to what Man City do. Make a call it the development squad. Don't call it the under-23s. And the way to change it is just make decisions on players earlier. Don't have situations like Pennington where you're giving him contracts when he's like 20 and you, there's no and he doesn't look like he's going to be the first-team centre-back. Because then... You know, four years go by and he's he's like a middle eight, middle twenties player who's never going to play for you and like you're just trying your best to you know you're going to end up loaning him until his contract runs out. Have a clear sort of strategy when it comes to the age range. Go right, well, 
under 18s and then when you turn 18 unless you're a special standout teller when you turn 18 you go into the under 23s and by the time you're 19 we make a decision on you we either let you go or we sign you up for another two years and then by the time you're 21 we let you go or we sign you up for a proper contract and and what have you we can't have players who are, who are 23, 24 who are in this under 23 squad because if you don't you, you, you should know by then I'm, I'm always I was always under the impression it was always the under 21s wasn't it yeah, I mean, we didn't change it to under twenty threes. Uh, I think that was a league wide thing. But I, I but that the written unwritten got, rules should be under twenty ones, in my opinion. I'd just call it like City, City calls it. I think it was the elite development well, squads. I'd just call it the development squads or the reserves or. Well, that's it. I, it was always reserves when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. I'd just call it the development team, and I'd just make it an issue like. You cannot go past a certain age without a decision being made. If you are 20, you're either being sold or you're not getting a new contract or you're going into the first team because you're good enough. And there'll be, you know, there'll be ones who slip through, but you know, it, we won't be spending. We've got players now on decent professional contracts who are never going to play. I mean, Garbutt's the one everyone holds up. Pennington's and, the worst one, I think, for the worst example though. Yeah, at least, I mean, at least Garbutt shows a bit of promise. Well, you know, Pennington is another one in the sense of he's, like I've said this before and I'll say it again, he's older than Yeri Mina. It's like, that's not his fault. He's a professional player and he's, for what, you know, what he's, he was a good player. Leeds wanted him like two years ago and he, you know, he's of a certain level, but we've just dragged our feet so badly. We've not made the decision on him. We've just dawdled. And now he's like 24. He's probably got a year left on his contract. No one's going to buy him. So we're just going to go, well, who can we. Who can we loan him to until his contract expires? Like, you know, Nias and Martina. And it'll be the same for other lads like Callum Connolly and, and players like that. But just before we started recording, I saw an, um, a tweet put out by someone. I think it was Stop Bunching on, um, on Twitter. I can't, don't know the proper name. It's one of the lads who works on El Pavati. He works with El Pavati's firm, um, Market Insights. And he said that Anthony Robinson has got a 1.5 million release clause in, in if he, if we're going to relegate it. I would be comfortable if Everton went back and got him now because we've sold him. We made the decision on him early. He's gone. He's proved himself at Wigan. He's you know he's getting linked with um, AC Milan. He, he would be at AC Milan if it weren't for his medical, let's be honest. Um, Watford won him. West Ham won him. He's clearly gone out and proved himself. And obviously he's got the release clause, but why, you know, in in future why don't we have buyback clauses and things like that? If we if we, it's, it's make... got to be. A, I mean, if if Marcel Brands is worth his salt, you've got to be doing that with these players when we, and we've got to sell them early, like you say. How many times have Real Madrid done it with the likes of Morata and people like that? Well, Mariano. If, if Robinson had not gone to Wigan, we hadn't sold him and made the decision, yeah, we've, you know, we've got Baines, we've got Dean, he's not going to cut it here, and then he was still here and he was playing under-23 football, no one had even, you know what I mean, he wouldn't have played that, you know, that he, senior he, football. He'd fade away, he, I mean, he's played championship football, which is not bad, that's a very respectable start to his career now, whereas, like you say, the under-23s is the equivalent of probably League 2, so, you know, that's two rungs up. You know, just I mean, it might not work. I, I, I know I'm a layman. I don't know how the contracts and that work. But if, if you make the decision when they're a lot younger, and but you, you're scared that it's going to come back and bite you, try and put buyback clauses in them or put sell-on fees, put something in there. Sell players but, and try and yeah. do those kinds of deals, yeah. 
rather than wrap them all up and keep them long term and never use them. Like, I mean, Callum Connolly he apparently you know does really well wherever he goes on loan, but he's not going to play it for Everton. So let him go, let him go and have a career somewhere else. We shouldn't have kept him and just let him have half his career in loans. I mean, it'd be different if we were like Chelsea and we had loads of like high-profile international players. We were getting six million per loan. They make you know loads of money just from loan fees. If we had that, that'd be one thing. But I can't even imagine we do that. You know, we're loaning these players out to get some of their wages off the books. We're not loaning them out because it's a good source of revenue. Absolutely, and I mean, it's it's just interesting that we've we've been run so badly in this respect. We've always had a good academy as well. Which is, I mean, I have a funny feeling we had our fingers burnt. We're talking 10 years ago now with Dan Gosling, didn't we? Where he exploited a thing in his contract and left for nothing. I think things like that might sort of have been playing in the uh, academy's mind and thinking, you know, we we don't want to fall into that trap again. But equally, we've gone from one extreme to the (laughs) other. And we're holding on too long. It's costing us more money than we need to. We need to get a much better strategy, and I think you guys have highlighted it perfectly here, haven't you? They just need a the club needs a consistent contract strategy and structure that's not kind of taking a punt on players like Garbutt and giving them long term contracts when they might have had potential hand. They just need a constant revolving door. You look at player, you look at teams like City, who they have some of the best youth talents in the country, but they're all so young and they're under twenty threes, but also. They're getting new players every year. Our youth players have been the same youth players for the past like five years. Like they, they've just been stuck. If you look at the bigger clubs, yes, they have stand-up players like Mason Greenwood at United, but they have new players every year, which everyone's paying attention to, and it creates more competition for young players to kind of, you know, step up. And it keeps the first teamers on the toes as well. I, it does I as well, but it's it's so it's disappointing because youth systems these days are just not the Everton way. They're not the way that Ken Wright would want to operate the club. He wants to give everyone contract. He wants to have everyone sorted. He doesn't want to put kids out, you know, on the streets. But you you got to be ruthless if you, if you run the club. Like, like we're trying to run, like Mashari wants to run. And if we're going to try and save money on transfers, which we have to, the worst, you know, we've had one of the worst transfer strategies in the league for, for a few years. If you want to save money and you look to your youth team, you can't have youth players who have been stagnating for a while, if they're constantly changing, if there's almost like a flat approach where you come in, you've got a year in the development side, if we'll call it that, you then maybe you get a year on loan. If you're not good enough, that's it. If you if you go out on loan and you do well, the club can either sell you because you've signed them on a three-year contract. They can either sell you because you've got one year left and the club haven't you know left themselves up to kind of you know sound a player. Like, I don't want to compare us to Sunderland, but... <laughs> There was something on the Sunderland documentary where it was something like, you know, they had a bunch of talented youth players, but the the contract strategy like left it up to, you know, they, they didn't have an optional one year extension or they they let them go on loan and when they came back the contract was up, which left the club massively kind of susceptible to not getting anything for these players. If the club just had a constant, consistent strategy and not kind of a scattergun of going, he might be good, let's give him five years, he might be good, let's give him three years. If you give everyone the same amount of time the same kind of structure, the same flow through the whole club, we'll probably find better results because we can have a good youth team that can win Premier Division 2 or whatever they call it as much as they like. But at the end of the day, I'd much rather have 
one or two standout players than a team who's doing well in the under 23s Often, because we want players to come through to the first team. We won't, we won't well. we Wayne. I'd take one Wayne Rooney over the whole youth system at the moment, obviously, apart from you know Gordon and Branthwaite like that. But you know, you want <laughs> the most decorated <laughs> English player ever. Well, yeah, we, but we, like, we only want a couple of them. No, but I mean, I mean, in the way like I want one good player to come out of you know, a crop of players rather than a bunch of average ones, if you know, of, of course not. I, Wayne Rooney, I, I take I take an abundance of them at the moment. But what I mean is we need one standout, one or two standout players and not just a good side who wins the, the under-23 double. As nice as it is, who honestly cares? <laughs> Let's be honest. It yeah, well, it's, it's, it's long forgotten and a lot of those players have already left now. So, you know, it meant nothing yeah. in the end in terms of first team success and just on that note, before we finish up on Branthwaite, I think he needs to. We need to be decisive this summer, don't we? Where we go with him? Definitely. I, I honestly, I mean, I, I don't want to chew me food twice, but um, yeah, a good loan. I, I, do, I wouldn't even go to championship. I'd quite like to see him go abroad if possible, and you know, the Eredivisie or, or the Bundesliga or somewhere like that, but somewhere that needs a centre-back badly so he gets that John Joe Kenny here. John Joe Kenny is now an asset, whereas last summer he wasn't, so we'll either use him or we'll sell him for decent money, you know, depending on the market. I want, ideally, you want those, you want the loans to be like that. Obviously, all the players aren't going to get loans that good, but the better ones are. Jared Brantway clearly looks like he's one of the better used products, so he's going to get a better loan than, say, Adela Sims will, who everyone is quite high on, but he hasn't proved as much as Branthwaite has at this point, has he? Yeah, I think at this stage, we do need to start seeing more of these players get first-team appearances, even if they don't have to pull any trees up, but it just alerts people to them, I think, the fact that they've made a few first-team appearances, even if it's only brief ones at the end of the season, like maybe the way Branthwaite has. I think yeah. we need to do first team more of that. And- First team and loan or loan appearances, they're just the most important thing in young players' development because it's kind of been described as like under 23s versus League Two. It's almost like technical ability versus physicality. I can't remember where I saw that. I'm ripping that off someone, but I can't really think about it now. But and I mean, I'm, I'm just going to give an example which none of you will know about. But at Gateshead this season, there's a young lad called Josh Coyote. Coyote, he came in from Rotherham youth team and he said, he learned more in the half a year that he was in the National League North than he ever did in the academy because it teaches you the physicality that you need to be a Premier League player these days. And it's so important to just, you know, get kicked about a bit, you know, face, you know, proper grown full-time, obviously full-time, but, you know, like proper established players because you learn a lot more than playing City's 18-year-olds or, you know, United's 18-year-olds. That, that doesn't really matter in development at the end of the day. Leon Osman said the same when he went on loan. He said he couldn't believe it. The players were swearing at him, his own teammates. When he was a kid, he was going, don't lose the effing ball. And it was people's livelihoods that paid their mortgages. And he went, it was just an eye-opener compared to, well, that was under-21s at the time. Like, you know, the the sort of cosy environments, it's probably 10 times worse now, of the under-21s where they've all got Gucci wash bags and four-by-four cars and stuff. And they all think they're players, but they haven't done it yet. And, you know, that's part of modern football, I know, but... They need to play proper football to see if they're good enough. And if they're not good enough, make money off them. So, you know, we we have that's one thing we have done. We've developed a lot of players for the football league. You know, if they're not good enough for Everton, sell them on. If we sell John Joe Kenny and Tom Davis, there's two players we've developed and have you know 
and it look amazing on the books because they've been developed and sold and they're off. sold on. Yeah. And, and then, then we need yeah. to do more selling on though rather than running contracts down like Pennington yeah. and Garbutt. Yeah, exactly. I think that's crucial with Bramweight now, but we'll finish up with Bramweight anyway. We've got to do a score out of 10. What would you just go with? It's only four games, but... Uh, on, the, uh, on the potential Tony Hibbert fish in paradise after life uh, scale, I'd probably give him a... For, I mean, from what I've seen <laughs> in the whole... Considering the circumstances, I'd give him an 8 out of 10 for what he's done. But yeah. not an 8 out of 10 player, I'd say, in the situation he's in. He's done it. Handled it very well, yeah. Yeah, Teddy? It's a bit skewed because of the sample size, but mate, he he came from League One, League Two, playing nine games, and has played Premier League games and played well. I'm giving him a ten. He's done well. He could have. He could have had class. He could have had a disaster class, mate. As a kid who hadn't even played many games at League Two, and he came into Premier League matches and acquitted himself, giving him a ten. What? I don't. If he'd have played 38 games, he might have had a more realistic score, but I don't see how you can fault him when you take in circumstances. So, 10, he's probably going to get the highest of the season. I'd like probably. to change mine to a yeah. 9, actually. I think it's a bit hard. Well, I was, I was going to go with a 9, so we've sort of got a bit of an even spread there. And also, I think, you know, we're not going to top that. You can't top a 10 out of 10. I think Brantway gets the player of the season award right there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there you go. Yeah, so there you have it, guys. The Jarrah Brantweight review. Let us know how you think he's got on. You give your scores out of 10, how you think he's got on. Sorry, right. I thought you said there. I thought you said we're going to put the Geordie out on the rest of the players. I was like, that's just how I'm describing that. <laughs> I just got I mean, back and review all uh, the players. Oh, you're just there for like a. You know, if, if if anyone steps out of line, you know, you can be the captain. You you can be the one dishing out the fines. Set the Geordie on them. Join us next time when we put the Geordie out on the rest of the squad. I was oh, like, I'm, all right, I'm, bit harsh, I'm, but okay. I'm, 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 I'm going to use that from now I'd like on. To, <laughs> I'd like to put true Geordie out on the rest of the squad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he put a tackle in, that's for, for starters. <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll leave this in because I, I, I like this. <laughs> We'll just crack on with the podcast. If you are listening to the podcast, still, of course, it's time to round off with the quiz. It's the classic matchday squad quiz, and it's Teddy versus Thomas. Basically, I'm going to name an Everton fixture from the past, and our competitors reel off the members of the squad. First one to get a wrong answer, so it ends as the win. First, we're going to decide who goes first. So let Teddy pick this week. Heads or tails, Teddy? I've still got a coin. Look at that. Heads. Heads. And it is head Teddy. Would you like to go first or second? I would like to go first, please. You will go first. So I'm going to reveal the fixture in question. Let's cue the intense quiz music. Yes. And tonight, as we reach the end of this season, we're going to go right back to the start when things were a hell of a lot more optimistic. Back to the opening day. Crystal Palace versus Everton. Saturday the 10th of August 2019. Almost a whole year ago now. But... That's what we're going back to the opening day when things were a lot rosier. 11 starters and three subs at Crystal Palace. Terry, you're up first. Let's do it, mate. We're going with Jordan Pickford. Jordan Pickford did play, indeed. Um, Gilfie Sigurdsson. Gilfie Sigurdsson did play. Morgan Schneidlin. 
Morgan Ireland did play, although he didn't finish the game. He got yeah, sent didn't off. Yeah, didn't he get sent off? Yeah, on, pa- on purpose, if you ask me. I mean, that's what one, of the, one of the one of the stamping the floor, punching the floor with his hands in a tantrum. Uh, it is what it is. Well, uh, Seamus Coleman. Yep, Seamus Coleman started. Luca Dean. Luca Dean started. Richarlison. Richarlison played the full game. Mm-hmm. Um, we get the substitutes as well. Yeah, the, the used subs anyway. John Paul Gabamon. Yep, well, John Philippe Gabamon, but I'll let you have that. John Paul, John Philippe Gabamon, my mistake. Sounds like a new, a new fragrance coming out of John Paul Gabamon. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. John Paul Gabamon, uh, he, he's off selling perfume somewhere, but Jean Philippe Gabamon did come on. Uh, Gomez. Andre Gomez did start the game. How are we doing? We've got one, two, three, four more starters and two subs. Um, Michael Keane. Yep, Michael Keane started the game. Uh, Yerry Mina. Yerry Mina was the other centre back. Dominic Calvert Lewin. Yep, Dominic Calvert Lewin was the starter. How many are left in the start? We must have done. We've got one more starter and two more subs. Uh, Bernard. Yep, Bernard was the final starter. Tom Davies. Tom Davies was one of the subs. This is coming right to the wire. Thomas, you've got the last one. You've got to get him. Because he should have come on instead of Kabamon, I remember it. He should have came on because Kabamon had only just come back. He was hopefully out of his depth. He was off the pace badly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, wow. Moise Keane. Correct. You just bought every single one of them. Well done, lads. This is the. I mean, I know it's a lot more recent, but this must be a first on the Toffee Blues podcast. This or oh, fourteen out of fourteen. Well played, lads. What are we right, doing? We're gonna, we're, we're gonna have to find. We're gonna have to find. Yeah, we're gonna have to find a tie tiebreaker. So. You know, we not name means... players on the bench who didn't get on, maybe, or the Palace team who's done that before. Yeah, we, we, well, I was gonna do the Palace team. Don't know any so, of them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yep, yeah, so basically you've got to name anyone who started or sat on the bench for Crystal Palace. First one to get a wrong answer is the loser. Um it's me next, isn't it? Yep. Patrick Van Arnold. Yep, Patrick Van Arnold played. I don't, I don't know any part. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Zaha, I'd imagine. Wilfred Zaha was a used substitute. This was yeah. surely after the saga, wasn't it, this one? We've been, we've been chasing him for a while, haven't we? Or haven't we? Yeah. we all thought he was going to come off the bench and score the winner. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I find this quite easy, because Palace's team's quite, you know, nailed in, isn't it? Kind of. Max Meyer? Max Meyer did start the game. Andros Townsend. 
Andros Townsend started the game. He's doing a pretty good job here, lads. Well, Palace have only got like 18 players, really. <laughs> it's, 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 player, it's a very small squad. Scott Dan. Scott Dan started. I was going to go for the goalkeeper, but I don't know which one it would have been at that point. And I, I do I want to risk it? Uh, no. Boom, somewhere in the midfield. What was it? I can't pronounce it. Mil- Milojevic. Milojevic. Yeah, he'll do. Yeah, he started. <laughs> and of course, he picked up the yellow card. MacArthur. Yep, James MacArthur was the fourth and final midfielder. Wow. Uh, ben Teke must have started, surely. Ben Teke did start. If Zaha wasn't starting, who else did they play? I can't even think of anyone else. I was going to say Ben Teke next. Um, Ward? Joel Ward started. This is really impressive, lads. <laughs> really? Honest to God, lads, I can't believe he's doing this well. It's going to go I mean, down the goalkeeper at one point. Like. We've got... How many more have we got? We've got two... One, two... Three... Three more starters and one used sub so one we've got an odd number so you've got to get this you, someone will get it eventually <laughs> I'll go with uh, Ayu yep Jordan Ayu was the starter <laughs> two more starters and one sub it's the goalkeeper oh, I've given you a hint there I don't know why I said I, I don't know whether to go for the goalkeeper, but I don't know whether to let you go for the goalkeeper because you're unsure of it. Um, well, there's only there's two of them, isn't there? But I can't remember which one was starting at the time. So I'm, I'm going to leave the goalkeeper with you. So I'm going to go with Kelly. Martin Kelly. Yeah. Good par player for Palace, but he started the game. I know that because I made some out of fantasy. <laughs> Well, there you go. That's the best. That's the, this kind of pointless trivia comes in handy at times, doesn't it? I'm gonna take punt on the goalkeeper. Go on. And I don't know how to pronounce his name. It's not Wade Hennessy. It's Guaida. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Is that it? You didn't pronounce it brilliantly, but you got it right. He's the keeper. <laughs> so what are it all comes down. To, it all comes down to this, Terry. You've got to get the final used substitute and if you get it you win if you don't you lose basically you might have uh, shot yourself in the foot by going first here we've got the whole team so there was a final used substitute Mm -hmm. I remember watching this game we had the white kit on, didn't we? In the uh, last year's kit, yeah. Getting to see like Moise Keane and Gabamon, but I'm trying to think who they brought on. <gasps> I think I've got it. Cause we went think down... I, I think, think we... I've got it, that's the problem. I think go I've on. got it because we went down to 10 men and they brought more attackers on to go for it. Was it Connor Wickham? It was Connor Wickham. I knew, well, I I knew it was him. God, I can't believe that you should have got. Full marks on the Everton team and the opposition. This is absolutely unprecedented. 
when it's when it's so recent, it's easier to remember, isn't it? Like, it is easier to remember, but I'm still very, very impressed. Well, when when we do the classic ones, I don't try and remember the match unless it's like a really big iconic match. Yeah. I try and remember the era and who was like yeah. that time. Whereas when it's this season, I try and remember the match because well, it's... You what, we, we need to do more from the same season that we've just covered because I'll tell you something, Teddy's beating Thomas in a quiz and that's just like un- unthinkable. <laughs> beating is a strong word when you when you go first and you get the look of the coin toss, to be fair. Uh, well, You know, use it. Using what you've got in front of you, I, I understand when, that. And <laughs> when people, you'll be, bl- you'll be blaming the win next, Thomas. Come on. <laughs> when when people win poker tournaments, do they still win? They didn't pick the cards. They were lucky. They've still won though, haven't they? <laughs> to it's an extent, all, it's uh, all about strategy. <laughs> you know what? I mean, you beat me fair and square last time. Am I going to put this one down to a loss? No, uh, it doesn't go down <laughs> as a loss in my books or a win. Um, <laughs> I think it's a great show by both teams. You know, it's just a it's good yeah. one for the neutrals, but uh, don't know well, if I'm giving this one. The neutral, this one I'm going to you don't consider it a loss; you consider it a lesson. <laughs> yeah. something, you, something you can what, learn what, from, what, and, what, and what, I never what, lose. He's basically saying he's saying he schools you there. No, no, it's like I never lose. I either win or I learn. That's very <laughs> oh. tough, right for anyone who's out there still interested, the unused substitutes was. For Palace was Wayne Hennessy, Gary Cahill, James McCarthy, former Everton, of course, Victor Camarasa and Cheku Kuyafe, and the unused Everton subs were Jonas Lissel, remember him, uh, Mason Holgate, Theo Walkoff, and Cheng Tosin. And the manager back then, for those who remember, old, we've got Marco Silva still, still in charge back in those heady days. Yeah. Lewis Bowamarte is assistant manager. Oh god, yeah, yeah. We should have just said who was the assistant manager. That would have been a nice. Did you see? Um, do you see Silver's assistant? Didn't someone put it in the group chat about them bottling Europe? Or did they I bottled see Europe on the final day. Yeah, it was the. It was like the final minute. It was like they. They. Hang on, Terry. Ter- does Terry want to pick a song before we before we start telling yeah, stories? Yeah, Terry, start looking for a song. You, you, you talk. I'll, I'll look for the song. Well, it, yeah, it was like <laughs> they were losing two one. They had to win. And then they, they equalised, and then they went scored again. At the time, didn't they? And then, and then there was like six minutes left, and I think there was like four players off the bench that were like sent off or something. I was looking at it on on my phone. And there must have been something that went on at the end of the game, but I think there was like three players not on the pitch that were sent off, one on the pitch that was sent off, and then and then they lost. I mean, that's just the most evident capitulation. I mean, I think you can ever. I mean, there's, there's only one place where you get infected with that kind of bad luck, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, you don't pick that up uh, anywhere else. <laughs> it's terrible, but it's for Malisau. <laughs> that what you're oh, saying? I always, I always read that and can never figure out how you say it. That's my best attempt at Portuguese, anyway. Don't, don't be coming to me for pronunciation after my performance on the quiz, to be fair. I, I really want to know where that clip came from. It's, it's terrible, but it's evident. Like, what was he talking about? It could have been something general. Something must have happened. Back in those days, we still had like Dave Watson and everyone, so we didn't really we weren't as charitable as we are now with terms of giving away easy wins to relegated teams. But well, to be fair, we were nearly one of the relegated teams on a couple of occasions back then. So you know, maybe the shoe was just on the other foot. <laughs> but uh, honestly, God, that that is the greatest addition to like Ever- Everton Twitter that the, you could ever wish for. <laughs> I think that that's the one. Tr- true positive of a lockdown was that lockdown brought that upon us <laughs> I can't I just can't believe somebody, is, somebody has been sitting on that clip for near 20 years 
and never put it up on social media. And temptation to bring that out earlier must have been something else. <laughs> yeah. must, have, must have waited for when things just got the worst they could possibly get. And I hope this is the worst it gets anyway. But uh, yeah, fantastic. Terry, any update on the song front? <laughs> just seeing how long you could um, you could talk for. I've got a song. I've got no reason for it, but why not? Um, I'm gonna go with "Mama, I'm Coming Home" by Ozzy Osbourne, and that's because I like Ozzy Osbourne and Villa stays up. Why not? He's a I Villa fan. Yeah. He's from Aston. Um, so. Mama, I'm coming home. Great song, great singer. Ozzy Osbourne definitely owns a villa in Aston. Yeah, I don't think it's a villa though. It's probably a tennis house. But um, yeah, I'm gonna go with that. You know, like, it's all about Aston Villa this weekend. That was the real story. Like, forget Man United, forget all this. They, you know, like they were jumping around celebrating, staying up by a point or whatever. And Roy in front Keane, of no fans. Roy Keane was furious, but you know, whatever. We said them staying up sent Bournemouth and Watford down, so fair enough. Yeah, we can't argue with that, can we? I mean, no more, I mean, plastic, snake, are, no, no more plastic snakes in the Premier League. Yeah, Watford are coming home to the Championship. See you later, boys. Have fun with it. Just Javi Gracia shushing gifts everywhere. Oh, I just thought it was an even better song. Um, Connor Bennett on Twitter, did you see his tweet? What did he do? Um, what's it called? He basically. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, did you see it? He, he basically quote tweeted the um, Watford um, main account when they, they basically they quote tweeted Gary Lineker saying an absurd decision to say oh, it, it, it aged well. This aged well, so he quoted that and he just put Alexa play that song and then he put a YouTube link to um, oh, Paul Johnson. He, Paul Johnson um, get get, get, get down. down. <laughs> it just hits amazing. So I'm gonna leave it up to Toffee Blues John listen to the two of them as yours one mama I'm coming home or Paul Johnson get get down whichever one you think will go better either of them are good I wonder, it's gonna be this is gonna be a very interesting end to this show now because we will figure out what John's taste in music is because you know, is he into hard rock or is he into I beat anthems He's typically not into hard rock, but he did message me after the last quiz win when I picked um, some 41 in too deep and said, it's not usually my thing, Teddy, but I'm a big fan of that, so thanks for that. <laughs> He's never may done that before with any song. You may well have converted him there. Oh, yeah. He'll have, he'll have his nails painted black and um, <laughs> around his head in no time. Yeah, brilliant. You wouldn't, you wouldn't really get it, Terry, but I, I actually get those messages every time I win a quiz. <laughs> John's always likes my music, but I guess if you only win two in the whole season against me you only get those messages Thomas is coming on with his like unbearables and asterisks <laughs> everywhere he's going to put an asterisk on your, on your win there Terry this is the, um, the quiz equivalent of Bernardo Silva having that cup of tea in the, um, in the garden on it he's, he just can't, <laughs> yeah. he can't give me the credit I'm due ah. <laughs> well, there you have it guys that's the end of the podcast we're going to leave you with whatever our editor goes way out of Paul Johnson's Get Get Down and Mamadou Coming Home by Ozzy Osbourne so yeah enjoy whichever one of those we end up going with and until next time thank you for tuning in on the Toffee Blues